0: Welcome back to the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert podcast and our most important episode of the year, the Cycling Tippies Tech Awards. Naturally, I'm joined today for this ultra prestigious event by the full Nerd Alert crew, all in black tie, naturally. All the way from Sydney, we have Cycling Tips tech editor, Dave Rome, who once again is demonstrating his dedication to the job by being on the mic today while suffering from not COVID, as it turns out. <laughs> it's a are How are you feeling? Uh, under the weather i I
1: was kind of hoping it was COVID,
0: given how sick i was but it's just a cold so anyway that's me Hmm. okay we also have our resident hammer-in-chief kaylee Fretz from durango bang bang i'm here Mm -hmm. (laughs) welcome back from your from your epic road trip out east
2: (laughs) it was great it was great i loved it a lot of driving with a nine-month-old but
0: you know that's okay Mm-hmm. Well, you know, she's getting used to it. It'll be the norm for her now. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sitting here at my right is ace mechanic Zach Edwards of the Boulder Groupetto. Zach, I'm trying to reconcile the fact that you think waxing chains is dumb, but yet waxing mm-hmm. skis is totally normal. I mean, sounds fair to me. <laughs> <laughs> As usual for these cycling TVs, we have put together a wide range of important categories. Wait, wait, wait. From James, do you lube your skis?
2: Well, that's basically what you're doing, isn't it? I was—I mean, like wet lube. You ever like throw some some Teflon? Oh. I have not. I have not. <laughs> no. Wait,
1: do, WD-40 is not the right thing for skis. <laughs> Just
2: spray it all on there. You're good to go. Motor oil. oil. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mo- yeah. Olive oil. Olive yeah. oil. Mm-hmm. All right. Getting my interruptions in early. <laughs> yeah.
0: As usual for the Socking tippies, we have put together a wide range of important categories, from best bike to most anticipated new product the biggest disappointment and most underwhelming. However, we are mixing things up this time with the actual awards themselves because historically we have pulled money out of the budget to have giant CT logos made out of solid gold and diamond encrusted (laughs) and we've mailed them off to the winning person or company. But this year we are awarding something way, way cooler this year. We're just going to be taking selfies with our phones as we read the winner of each category. And then we're going to be sending that image file as an NFT, which will not only be far more valuable and guaranteed to never be fungible, but possibly the only thing rarer than a new 11-speed chain. <laughs> this is brilliant. That's how we're going mm-hmm. to fund the fun tips next year. NFTs. Well, someone's actually beating us to that punch, so. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. We are going to go ahead and dive in headfirst with our first category, Dave, this one's sort of yours. Best bike ridden. Yeah. a couple of nominees here. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, we get to
1: ride a, a few different bikes, and I was thinking what bike left the biggest impression on me. And uh, I've got two on my list. Probably one really takes the cake, which is the Cervelo Aspero 5, which is kind of a do-it-all gravel bike, a race gravel bike. The other one is one I just wrapped up the review of, which I've been reviewing for the last few months, is a Bossy Strata SS. And that one's on the list just because it rides amazingly well, and I like that it's pushing the boundaries of titanium. Although, as my review points out, I probably wouldn't actually buy one. So <laughs> I, I'd probably give that my award goes to the Civello Asparo 5 because that is a bike I would buy. Um, hmm. And hmm. very came very nearly to buying it and then realized I have no space for it. So I have to give it back. Interesting.
0: Sad. Well, well I, I have my own nominee for this category, which is the Specialized S-Works Crux, which Uh, honestly surprised me maybe a little bit because I I just wasn't, I, I guess I didn't, wasn't really expecting to like it as much as I did because it essentially is an ethos, uh, with a lot more tire clearance. It's like super light rides. Amazing. It was just so much fun to ride. And every other person that I have put on that bike has come back with the exact same response. And every other person I've talked to, or I guess everyone I've heard from who has that bike has also said the same thing.
3: Every time we've talked about Bicycle choices for people and gravel bikes, particular. When I say I want my gravel bike to be a road bike with more tire clearance, you all say that I'm wrong and argue with me. And you just said your favorite bike of the year
2: was a road bike with more tire clearance. How do I,
0: we, how, do I how do I argue with you about that? Checkmate,
2: checkmate, James. <laughs> <laughs> what do I argue about?
3: Oh, well, you're always like I don't know, slack and long and something that fits a 29er tire and suspension and all those kind of things.
0: No, no, no I never say that stuff is better. Hmm. yeah i don't know i think I
1: think both of our choices agree with you Zach like the <laughs> Aspero 5' is also kind of a road bike yeah
3: exactly. and Like that's what a gravel bike should be yeah we have a whole category for this
0: later right well we kind of have a category but it, it does feed into another thing that 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 Zach had brought up in uh, in our pre-episode discussion here um because one of the things that Zach was most happy about in 2021 was sort of the kind of like this resurgence of non-gimmicky gravel bikes. Correct. Like bikes without a whole bunch of like extra moving bits. Correct. Just regular road bike with big tire clearance. So would you say a Crux is right up your alley?
3: Yeah, I would ride a Crux for sure. It's a sweet bike. Built a few. But
0: hard, very hard, very hard to come by though. Very hard to come by. As a matter of fact, I had sort of been trying to buy one um, because I certainly did not have money in my budget for the S works version that I tested. Um, But, I have been trying to actually build up the uh, kind of theoretical 10R second tier carbon frame set that I mentioned in my review of that, of the S-Works bike. I kind of wanted to build that one up with that uh, Campagnolo Eckhart group and some uh, some decent but not expensive aluminum clinchers and would have been light, would have been really fun, would not have been horrifically expensive or at least not as horrifically expensive as the S-Works version, but alas, Specialized has none of those frame sets available. Oh,
2: well. Do I get to, do I get to nominate something?
0: Yeah. If you please. have a nominee. Absolutely.
2: I do. It's, it's a bike that I purchased actually. Uh, oh. and I like it a lot. And then it's is another, it? it's another specialized, which is a bit, I don't know. I don't, we don't necessarily like to, to heap praise on one single brand here, but I have an Epic Evo now and it is oh the best mountain bike I've ever ridden. <laughs> so
1: those are very good. I've heard it's ones. so
2: yeah. good. It's so good. And, and it's, it's the most fun bike that I've ridden yeah. this year. And, yeah it's just it's fantastic it does everything i want it to do very yeah. very well
1: um in in defense of kaylee's suggestion i actually spent about a year trying to purchase one of those before giving up and buying something else um so <laughs> they are an incredibly good buy
2: i had to i had to maybe pull some strings there were strings pulled <laughs> to acquire mm, i, I, I tried pulling Evil.
1: strings those <laughs> strings did not move
2: <laughs> um, you need yeah, American you strings. You need yeah, American. Okay. Aussie strings yeah. are useless. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you I'll turn the wrong direction or something. Who knows. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I apologize to everyone out there because they are fully sold out forever and I think I got like the last one in existence. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I don't really think it matters, kaylee because I'm pretty sure every single bike that we're mentioning, I'm sure pretty every single bike and every single product that we're going to mention in this episode is sold out anyway. So kind of kind of just goes without except, saying.
1: Except for the worst bike.
0: Because we're gonna make we're gonna make won't, that available by mentioning it as the worst uh, bike later. Ah, uh, all right, we'll we'll get to that, Dave. Don't you worry. All right, best value product. This is another one, Dave, that you had in mind. Yeah, what was your pick here? Uh, the one that left the
1: product that left the biggest impression on me is Microshift drivetrains. So specifically Advents, which is their nine-speed, or Advent X, which is the ten-speed version. Ooh, I thought like a, break a with that yesterday. What's
3: that? I built a bike with that stuff yesterday. It yeah. actually what you worked think? really well.
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: Surprisingly good.
1: Yes, exactly. Like very easy to assemble, very simple, but has all the right features. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think my issue with it was the drop bar configuration. The shift levers aren't the best ergonomics, but I've since used the mountain bike shifter and it's, it's awesome. Like it's, it's really hard to fault for the money. Yeah, I mean, the road bike shifter, I guess as long as you're on the hoods, it's fine. It's, it's very similar shape to like old Shimano, Mm -hmm. like nine speed shaping, Mm -hmm. which doesn't feel great these days to me. Um, but yeah, I guess if you're in the drops, it's no issue. Uh, if you're really holding onto the hoods, I kind of felt that it added a bit of pressure to the central nerves of my hands, but, uh, you know, it
0: functions and for the money, it comes back to the fact that it's, it's very cheap for what you get. And a lot of people don't realize that MicroShift has been around for really quite a long time. So this is, it's not like they sort of came out of nowhere.
1: No, but yeah, MicroShift, I guess, has a long history of doing alternative parts to fit like existing drivetrains, you know, like Shimano compatible shifters or derailleurs that work with a SRAM shifter type thing. Uh, Whereas this new range is like really designed as their own system. It's
0: their shifter, their derailleur. And it's cool. It works well. Hmm. All right, well, my nominee, uh, I should have written this down because I cannot remember the full name of this thing. It's that $50 Sally Italia saddle that I tested mm. several months ago because it's 50 bucks, which is not a huge amount of money for a pretty decent saddle. Super, super comfy. It was heavy, fine. Uh, I've heard from a couple of people who have purchased that saddle and say that the, they're a little worried that the kind of like the rubberized top is maybe a little bit too grippy. They kind of worry about short wear. Um, but it's... It's really comfy. It's shaped great. It looks good. It doesn't yeah. cost a whole lot of money at all. Uh, and so far, I mean, I've still been using it. It has really, like, it has shown a bit of wear. I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah, that is the Celia Italia Model X Green Superflow saddle. So I can see why you didn't remember it, because that is a terrible yeah, name. Yeah, that one, that one, yes. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it mm-hmm. is an impressive, uh, a lot of product for $50.
0: Yeah, well done, Celia Italia. Kaylee, Zach, you got anything on here?
1: Hmm.
3: <sighs> nothing offhand i would say like i mean the previously mentioned parts shortage uh, best I, value would be used parts <laughs> I,
0: I should i should point out right now by the way that i explicitly uh mentioned to zach that he didn't necessarily have to be super prepared for this episode this is true <laughs> so zach may I not have a whole of lot of nominations. yesterday kaylee on the other hand has no such excuse i have one
2: what is that aluminum gravel and hardtails Gravel bikes, yeah, and hardtails, of course, just, just always. As, as a category, because hmm. we've talked about this a couple of times on the pod, uh, because we tested a bunch of them this year, more sort of than normal. But two of my two of my favorite bikes from the last couple of years were an aluminum Trek Checkpoint and an aluminum Specialized Chisel hardtail, and they're fantastic. And in particular for those 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 areas for those segments, it's such a great frame material. And I I just I really struggle to to well to, to tell anybody that they should get carbon really it, it, it just does not make any sense to me in, in those in those particular segments
0: i think i would agree for the most part i mean as much as i really enjoyed that crux i will say that my personal gravel bike is a canyon grail al uh, because rides great it's light enough it certainly was in my budget and i really enjoy riding it despite the fact that it is quite a bit heavier than that crux but and if it falls over, it doesn't matter. And if it falls over, it doesn't matter. Well, I I'm not for gonna m- cry the about the part, yeah. it that way, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, most interesting new product. Uh, I don't know how many of us. I don't. I don't have a, a nominee for this one, but Dave, I was a little surprised by your pick here. Mm. Um,
1: maybe it's not the most interesting, but to me, I was uh quite intrigued by the companies moving towards uh thermoplastic carbon fiber or i guess moving back to thermoplastic carbon fiber uh we've seen this in specifically rims i guess is my point which is uh the fusion fiber rims being made in the us which the likes of like revel bikes and now chris king are using uh and yeah i think it's just a really interesting technology that you know claims better impact uh, resistance claims better vibration control uh competitive weights competitive strength uh, but then at the same time it's it's a material that in theory can be repurposed in some in some regard you know the material can be reused more easily than a thermoset carbon fiber so in this case they're claiming that you know the the rims if they if they are broken they can quickly be chopped up and reused into sort of forged components like stems and tire levers uh so i think that's quite cool to see a product that up until now, carbon fiber rims aren't really the most eco-friendly product out there. Uh, and I think we are at a point now where that
0: might be changing. And I do like the fact that you can get a carbon rim that uh, can take a pretty good hit, which, granted, a lot of companies were already getting, are making a lot of headway in that department with regular thermoset carbon fiber. Yep. Um, but this should bring that level of durability to more people, theoretically. Exactly.
1: Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's a technology that's a lot more hands-off as well, much more automated. So... In theory, as the technology uh, progresses, things will come down in price as well.
0: Hmm. Anyone else got one for there, for that category? I mean,
3: I've been pretty impressed with the new 12-speed Shimano stuff. The Dura-Ace works really, really well, but that's not really a surprise. That's not really a surprise. No. What would be
0: a surprise if it's in all the stores everywhere?
3: Yeah, I guess that's my problem with all the new products that have came out this year. It's like some big press launch, awesome, cool new product, and then... There's like a handful of bike shops that get it and that's it for the rest of the next five years. So you're saying that
0: you don't have five full Dura-Ace groupset sitting on yourself right now? Do not. Mm. Okay. have some on back order, but who knows? Mm. (laughs) All right, let's move on. Uh, Most anticipated new product for 2022. Mm. Dave, you have another interesting pick here. And actually, I kind of think you might be on the money with this one. Yeah, I mean, this
1: isn't a product that we're expecting. We don't know if it's gonna happen, but surely at some point it has to happen. Is um, Continental Four Season TL tire, yeah, you know, the last you know the Four Seasons still tire they sell. It's kind of their all rounder, kind of a mix of a Gator Skin and a GP, three thousand, I believe. It's, it's immensely a- popular. Still immensely popular, and it's incredibly outdated. They don't do a tubeless version. They don't do it in modern wider sizes I don't believe or they might do but it's not readily available and not in a full-size range um but yeah I'm I'm very eager for for Continental to basically do just a more durable slightly more puncture resistant version of the GP5000 and offer it in tubeless so we have a really really nice performing tire that's sort of in that 28 to 32 millimeter range uh I've been kind of underwhelmed by the other options in this space as far as endurance tubeless tires
0: go. It totally makes sense that Continental could potentially add that to the lineup next year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it seems like there's a gap. Yeah. So,
1: But yeah, in, in terms of like, you know, there are other tires like uh, Vittoria Corsa Control, I guess is sort of aimed in this in this segment. But in my experience, that cuts up way too easily. Uh
3: there's the Rubinos too, just...
1: Yeah, Rubino. Um, it's a bit of a lower end tire, though, the Rubino. So I'm kind of after something a little little higher end. But Rubino does get pretty close to what I'm after. Um, Goodyear has one, but uh, I feel it's a bit too thick, a bit
0: too heavy. So I think there's there's room. Continental, if you're listening, hopefully <laughs> you're still listening, even though you no longer sponsor our podcasts. Um, oh, that I know, I know, I know. But Very hopefully so. you're listening, and maybe they know something that we don't, I dare say. But we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Hopefully, I would, that, hopefully I would that hope they about. know something. <laughs> something that we don't <laughs> you would, you about the tires hope. that you they're hope. launching next year. Hope. I would you certainly would. hope so. Speaking of tires, I have an award for most disruptive, uh, which I want to give to American Classic for their Ooh. tires, because uh, I have ridden a whole bunch of different, of a whole bunch of their tires over the last however many months now that they've been out, and. I've actually been very impressed with them. They are certainly not, you know, the lightest or the fastest rolling, or you know, whatever. They're, a lot of the tread designs are pr- honestly pretty derivative, um, but the tires are actually quite good, and they're really, really cheap. Like at least in the U.S., anyway, they are like half, or like sometimes less than half the price of what you might pay from Conti or Schwalbe or or Maxxis or whoever. Tanwall too. And they are available in TANWAL, correct? A requirement these days, honestly. Yeah. And they have a, a pretty killer warranty program. Like if you just cut one or whatever, like they'll, they'll sell you another one for half off, which will be, you know, instead of 30 to $35 in the US, it means you get a replacement tire for like 15 or 17 50 Like that's pretty remarkable. So I would love to see American Classic expand into a range of mountain bike tires because that, be, that would be incredible. Although I dare say having that sort of coverage on a mountain bike tire might not be particularly sustainable long-term. Um, but if someone were able to produce tires like that for that little money for mountain bikes, that would be pretty awesome. And actually, I think Bike covered a brand that did that not too long ago. So I, I, I have to imagine that other companies will follow suit. I don't really know how this is going to work. Um, but if, Mer- if American Classic is able to keep up with demand, they supposedly own their own factory in Taiwan. So they are presumably making as many tires as they want to, I guess. Um, but I have to imagine that other brands have taken notice of that and are considering something.
2: I have a nomination for this. What's your nomination, Kelly? COVID. <laughs>
0: hmm that seems pretty
3: that seems that seems pretty easy
2: uh i you can respond with a cough it's been i would say relatively disruptive. <laughs> relatively disruptive relatively <laughs> disruptive to the bicycle industry and our and our enjoyment of said uh bicycles and uh you know so tip of the hat to covid the the crushed preeminent, it pre- crushed it the <laughs> preeminent disruptor
0: i'm not was, really sure who we send that nft
2: to mm, yeah a lab in China. No. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, oh, I kid. I kid. <laughs> <laughs> whatever the, the pangolin or whatever that it, <laughs> that it came from.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, Kay, Kaylee, I, I dare say that, that your, your pick wins this one. Cause COVID was slightly more disruptive than American classic tires. I mean, kudos to American classic for giving them a run for their money, but close second. Yeah. It's a close um, second. Yeah. Zach, you had an, a good addition to the categories, uh, which I have deemed the most pleasant surprise award, which goes to no new bottom bracket standards introduced in twenty twenty one. How that is that possible? I, that I could think of, at least.
3: I hope there are no new ones. Yeah,
0: yeah. Rome seems There's no to think like
2: technically well, there was one. sort
3: of a new one. It's like yeah. new variations of things, but there is no like. We've came out with this revolutionary new frame bottom bracket spindle interface that's going to change the entire bicycle
1: world like that hasn't happened like it has every other year
2: that it's we true. can we- remember
1: <laughs> that we yeah. haven't blanked out out of just <laughs> pure shock and fear of what's going to happen to us all <laughs> right yeah right do we get like the,
2: like mega boost or anything like that this year no, that wasn't no, no, no
1: standard I believe
2: yeah we stayed at the same level of boost
3: yeah we didn't get we didn't get road boost didn't get
0: well, red, like- That is- clearly e-bikes. E-bikes did get red. And, and gravel bikes. Some gravel bikes are coming with uh,
3: No, gimmicks. <laughs>
0: mm. Yeah. But for the most part, I feel like
3: everyone kind of took a breath on bottom brackets. Yeah. How and was, and yes, was, we
1: are remembering the new Cervelo R5 CX, but as Zach said, it uses existing parts.
0: So we're not counting that as a new standard. System. How is Jason at Abbey Bike Tools going to stay busy? What's he going to do with all this <laughs> well, free no, time? We didn't,
3: we didn't say bottom bracket cup tool interface. Uh, standard. Okay, <laughs> okay. We said, uh, yeah. <laughs> frame
0: body. Yeah, yeah. Every bottom bracket manufacturer
1: has their own tool, but I've been working quite. Um, I've been working quite actively to increase my bottom bracket cup tool um, uh, arrangement.
2: You don't
0: say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've bought me. at least
1: five in the last few months.
0: <laughs> how, how many are left, Dave? I mean, how, how many? How got, many do you have? In- there's
1: an entire drawer of them now, but um, I don't know how many I've missing. Maybe one or two, and then and then some e-bike ones. Um, but yeah, it's I'm I'm getting there. They're like Pokemon. You have to collect them all. All right, have <laughs> a this.
0: Do you, do, you, do you have do you have the bottom bracket tool for an old Campagnolo square taper Veloce bottom bracket? That's the same Zach, as you, know, a, you know what I'm talking about? The little like, like six half lobe thing.
3: Oh, that one. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the one Ooh. like oh, campy ones that used to uh, just the same as a cassette lockery. lockering tool. Yeah. Mm-mm.
0: Yeah. You I know, know which one
3: you're talking about, though. I have that. Oh, I don't think I do. What about uh, for a
1: Colnago? There oh, I've got, I've got two of those. Press
3: fit, <laughs> not press fit <laughs> thing? Th- yeah. Thread
0: fit 86.5 yeah. or something like yeah. that. I've got
1: two of those. I've got both the ceramic speed one and the Abbey Bike Tools one. What? And Why? I started with the Abbey Bike Tools one, but it only works once you take the cups out of the existing, um, out of the existing Colnago cup. Whereas the the Ceramic Speed one works with like you know bearings in place. So, got to have them both. Got to get them I don't.
2: I don't want to pat ourselves too heavily on the back here. But mm. is the Cycling Tips Tech Team partially responsible for this award for the fact that? basically every single bike brand on the planet has just started going back to threaded bottom brackets. Yes. Which we've been basically yelling at them for, for years. (laughs) And
0: we're kind of the only ones that have been doing it. I think, I mean, we've, we've certainly been very vocal about it, like persistently vocal. So is that you're sending a sticker or not a sticker
3: this year, the NFT NFT. to yourself?
2: We might be, we might might be awarding to myself. I get told over and over and over again that, that, Bike brands are just terrified of James. So I, I, <laughs> I, have, I have heard this from a couple of friends
0: who work at bike companies. <laughs> what, 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 would I, what would I do? Like what, what, what sort
2: of power do I have? I'm you would like, disparage them on the internet, James. That's, that's what you would do. Oh, God. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm giving this award, even though it was the bike industry finally doing it. I'm giving it to James. Congratulations, James. You get an NFT
0: of your own selfie. How about that? My first right piece, bottom brackets for all. My first bit of crypto something. <laughs> hmm. How about that? All right. Biggest head-scratcher award goes to Ooh. flat-bar gravel bikes and telescoping gravel bike suspension forks. Yep. So Well, it,
3: well, stuff well I mean, the it's 90s. better than full-suspension flat-bar gravel bikes <laughs> because that would just be a mountain bike.
2: <laughs> well... Ugh. I, th- we, we discussed well, we, this. We discussed this extensively. in the, yes, the we last did. Field test, right? So we don't need to go too far down this particular pathway. But let's just leave it at these bikes. Simultaneously, make absolutely no sense whatsoever, and are very fun. And and I I, I have to just what what who was the who was the philosopher who said that an intelligent person is is needs to be able to hold two conflicting ideas in their head at the same time that's what we need. We need to be intelligent people who can do. We can hold these two conflicting ideas in our heads at the same time. That's just the reality of these bikes.
1: Mm. I'd say it's often the case is like being ridiculously under biked on something completely impractical is often the most fun. Like some of the most fun I've had is riding like a kid's 12 inch bike down a pump track.
0: <laughs> you know, like it's, Cause it's like, you feel like you're or, getting
1: away with something, you know, or being in the back of like the kid's carry of someone's turn GSD. Like it's, I think, yeah, having fun is, you know, a matter of doing silly things. And I think these flat bar gravel bikes sometimes are silly.
2: But at the same time, like we, we struggle to recommend anyone spend their hard earned cash on what is essentially a silly thing. Right. So like like a novelty. Yeah, it's a novelty. So, you know, if it's your third gravel bike, maybe, but it's if it's your only one, we, we, even though they're fun in certain circumstances, really fun in certain circumstances, we struggle to like fully recommend them, I think which is why I deemed them a head scratcher. They are head scratchers. People keep buying them though. So who, who, who do we, do we give this one to specialize for the diverge flat bar? Who gets no, this one?
0: No, no, I don't, I don't think so because I mean, there are so many companies now that make flat bar gravel bikes. I'm not even really sure who did like the, the first one, but I, I don't know. The spirit of gravel
3: I, can get this NFT. The,
0: the spirit of, <laughs> okay. That, that works for me, Zach. Yeah. That works for me. Either that, or we give it to someone like, I don't know. Richard Cunningham or something like some, some old school mountain bike guy, because as we have determined before, modern flat bar gravel bikes basically are just old mountain bikes. Yep.
1: The clunker, so, the clunker.
0: RC, if you're around, I may send you, I may send you an NFT. <laughs> Keep an eye out. All right, moving on to maybe the not great awards as far as maybe the awards that some people maybe don't want to receive. <laughs> We have most underwhelming new Ooh. product. Wa we- Dave, you want to take this one away? Uh, I've got two. One is more
1: disappointing than underwhelming, but uh, most underwhelming for me uh, was lightweights, Pathfinder, Evo gravel wheels. Um, so you know, lightweight wheels, fully carbon, made in Germany. Um, somewhat impractical very very expensive somewhat impractical to take off road and they released a gravel wheel which really just had a new name on their old wheel uh and it's 18 millimeter wide internal rim pitches for gravel um but still compatible with 23 millimeter tires um so yeah i I just i think that is just the silliest most impractical product i've i've seen in years and (laughs) i feel sorry for anyone that Spends real money on that. Um, <laughs> this is so made someone really sad.
2: That's un- well, you can't beat that. Like you can't beat an 18 millimeter internal gravel wheel that you shouldn't take off road. Like that, that's yeah. just you can't.
0: No, buy buy a prestigious thing. brand that is selling these wheels for like six grand a set yeah. or something. Yeah, that yeah. is that's officially the silliest thing of the year. Yeah, yeah. And there there are an awful lot of lightweight fans out there, and I have no doubt that some people have purchased these wheels already. And probably think that they're great. Yeah, so yep. stiff. So stiff.
1: I think my <laughs> so my article on the on these wheels said the whole sales proposition of these wheels is lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. So is probably the way, right way to put it. But um, and then the other the under, <laughs> underwhelming product, but probably is more disappointing product in in some regards is uh uh Favero Asioma Duo She pedals. So these are the uh, spindles. It was such a, dis- it was such a letdown. It was a massive letdown. So there was so much anticipation of this product. Uh, for vera Favera Asioma um, pedals, their power meter pedals, based on the look cleat system, are widely considered one of the best power meter pedals you can get. It's just a really reliable, easy to use power meter. And there was rumors for a long time that they were going to have a Shimano SPDSL version coming out. Uh, and it was very much uh, eagerly anticipated by myself. I prefer Shimano pedals over look system. Uh, and it came out and it's basically, it's a, it's a spindle that you can upgrade your existing uh, 105 Ultegra level Shimano pedals with. Um, and it's a whole, you know, it's got the power meter spindle in it and it comes with a new bearing cartridge unit, but the spindle uh, increases the Q factor to 65 millimeters, which is basically the widest pedal on the market. Uh, and then it also introduces a bushing instead of a bearing into your Shimano pedals. So you lose the good durability that Shimano pedals are known for. So it's just, uh, yeah, it was a letdown.
0: And you end up pedaling like a duck. And like a duck,
1: Yep. Although if mm. you want to turn your road bike into like a modern e-bike pedaling with, then
0: it's good. If you want to get a sample for the, for the boost road bikes that, that are certainly going to be flooding the market at some point.
1: Exactly, exactly. Mm. Yeah, mm.
0: or if you just spend a lot of
1: time on a Peloton bike and you want your road bike to feel like that, it's also an option. for product
0: for you. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I've never actually, I never actually—I actually didn't know that a that a Peloton bike has a wide Q factor. Mm. Does, Does it
3: spent much time on a Peloton bike? None, zero.
1: Actually, I, dare, dare I say, most people buying Peloton bikes aren't, aren't researching the Q factor.
0: Yeah. It's mm. mm. Probably true. Probably true. All right. Next category award or next award category for biggest disappointment, which. This kind of goes along with most underwhelming, sort of, but it's a, little bit, a little bit different. Anyway, I nominated Shimano because for as good as their new electronic 12-speed group sets are, I also found it super, super sad that they effectively also announced that there are no longer going to be high-end mechanical road group sets again, ever. Really sad. Wah. wah. I can kind of understand why, uh, because... You do run into a lot of issues trying to cram 12 sprockets into that limited space and having it still operate very precisely and consistently over the long haul with the cable and housing for most people.
3: They did it on the mountain bike and it works really good.
0: Yeah, but the but the the cable spool is a lot bigger than that shifter. True. I'm sure there's an engineer that could figure this out. Shimano is a company full of engineers as it turns out. I would say less of that. It's more
3: that it wouldn't work on. of the new bikes, they come out. Because all the hangers are bent? Well, and because the cables go in through the handlebar. Oh, right. And the stem and the headset. Mm. Yeah.
0: So anyway, that that was very disappointing. Durace uh, mechanical is dead. Altegra Altegra 11-speed mechanical will soldier on on as is for another year, at least. Um, But otherwise, that is it. No more high-end mechanical Shimano road group sets.
2: James, I'm not sure that just Shimano deserves this particular award because we are also seeing the sort of slow demise of mechanical from SRAM as well. Uh, and I think that that is super depressing because I've, I've made my love of like Red 22 known for quite some time. And, and that stuff's going to be sort of poof disappearing over the next couple of years and be harder and harder for me to find parts for my travel bike.
0: And I don't it like is. that at all. It is, although there is a little bit of light at the end of that tunnel, because that UK company Ratio Technology, uh, who made that one by twelve conversion kit for SRAM levers, uh, I reviewed that a few months ago. They are still in uh, still it developing, finalizing, I guess, a two by twelve conversion kit for SRAM lever for SRAM mechanical levers that presumably will allow for current. Two by ten or two by eleven, I'm guessing SRAM mechanical levers to work with SRAM's latest 12 speed cassettes and chains and I guess chain rings too.
3: I mean it would, so it'd use axis gearing on a mechanical drivetrain. Correct.
0: Ooh. Ooh.
2: Interesting. Well, Which that's is good. very intriguing. But that's still not coming from SRAM. So I, I can still we can still give them yeah. half of this award for for leaving us mechanical folks behind.
3: There is always campy, though. There is, there is always always
2: campy. campy. There's always Campy. I think so. Mark I'm, I'm still figuring out how to how to rebuild the the mosaic that came back to me. I have basically I stopped doing that because there's no bike parts anywhere. I was like, I'll just do this later. My but project. I do. I, it needs Petition. to have Campy on it. It has to. There's, there's no other option.
3: I it's mean, gotten. right now my road bike has mechanical durace on it, and I feel like I kind of want Campy now. Just in principle that they're getting rid of durace That's mechanical.
2: Yep. Mm. I, I think it's an opportunity for them. It may not be a massive market, which is why Shimano and SRAM are ignoring it. But it's a big enough market for Campagnolo to pay attention to.
0: Kelly, I almost feel like w- with that rebuild, you need to put on like maybe, maybe even like a like a ten speed Campagnolo mechanical group set, like pre carbon crank set. a hard Ooh. to find. So like all aluminum. I have one. I'll sell it to you. Ooh, how about that? <laughs> all, all aluminum, all aluminum. And if you wanted to get really, really fancy, you send off all the parts to. Chris Howard at Cyclo Retro in Australia and happened to do a full polish on it. Ooh. Oh, the that that I have is, so is pretty cool. met
3: though. You might not need to do that. All silver
0: chorus. Ooh. I could be into mm. that. Uh, Kaylee, I think you should go ahead and, and commit to that one right now.
2: All right, let's do it. Ten speed. I'll buy it, Zach. <laughs>
0: Done. Name, name your price i mean Zach's gonna, million dollars that's gonna be the one installing all this stuff anyway
1: <laughs> devil's true. devil's advocate when kaylee arrives in belgium and finds that the baggage handler has broken his front <laughs> derailleur what do you do then
3: well no because can't be a front derailleur the shifter is index you could use any front derailleur and it'd work fine yeah or
2: well, just ratcheting you mean sort yeah. of
1: but aesthetically it'll never be the same that's
0: true <laughs> Make it happen. Make it happen.
2: All right. So, biggest disappointment NFTs shared between Shimano and SRAM for for not doing mechanical
0: for us anymore. They can co own it. Indeed. Indeed. Oh, that, I don't really know how that works as far as the whole blockchain thing goes. You <laughs> just split it up into more blocks. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> all right. Dave, Dave, this one's all you. Most dubious claim award. Oh, yeah. This
1: is a good one. It's uh, a split award again. So, we'll have to send half a selfie to each of them. But uh, yeah, both uh, related to the chain. So one is the Taya Rollerless chain, which got released in January 2021. And it was basically a chain that claimed to be more efficient, longer lasting, lighter, uh, easier to produce, uh, you know, you name it. Pedal the bike for yourself. Uh, These all sound <laughs> too good to be true. Free words, COVID. you know, yeah, everything. Uh, but then speaking to experts such as Jason Smith, who... um is the CTO of Speed these days, runs Driven, the drive shafts, but also kind of a, a known name in the chain world. Um, he basically just said every one of their claims can be um, beaten, undone, disputed. Wah-wah. So, yeah, uh, it was basically, yeah, there was, there was nothing beneficial about the chain at all. And he basically just said that while the chain itself might be more reliable or at least more wear resistant in theory, Um, it'll just move the wear to the cogs. So that's not really what you want to do.
0: Especially when you can't get any replacement of that stuff right now. But do these chains exist? Like, can you get
3: them? Like, you cannot get Shimano and SRAM and everyone else's chains. Who knows? I didn't go buy (laughs) one after selling article. We have them in stock.
0: (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no. And the the other half of this NFT award goes to
1: uh, Muckoff's ludicrous AF lube. Uh, and this, this chain lube's a pretty funny one. They, they've, they've released it with, uh, a lot of internal data backing their, their te- you know, testing and, um, their design of the lube and, and why they believe it's the most efficient, fastest race chain lube on the market. Um, but their charts basically said the closest thing and the benchmark to them is, uh, uh silka's synergetic lube um which is really funny because silka themselves came out and said well actually our synergetic lube is our slowest lube that we offer <laughs> and <laughs> you'll find that our fastest lubes are wax based uh, to compete with the other known fastest lubes on the market from the likes of ceramic speed and absolute black um so yeah markov seems to just be in their own their own testing space doing their own testing that shows that their lubes the best but Everyone else doing chain lube testing is saying no. I'm gonna to
2: have to have a phone call about this one. Yes. Dave. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's alright. So, That's alright. It's 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 a good lube. It's just the the claims that we're talking about, right? Uh, I've, I've used it. S- it's good.
0: I liked using it. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, but if you if you name a lube ludicrous AF, which first of all I think is a pretty ridiculous name.
3: We're trying yeah. to apply to the U this
0: <laughs> I, I guess, yes. Well they should sell virtual loot, uh, they should sell virtual lube then. Yeah. Uh, but if you, if you're gonna call it that and then have it not be quite up to snuff with what you know, you what with what you are with your rather heady claims, uh, that's a pretty big disappointment. Yeah. have not
3: there been multiple chain lubes this year that have had false claims? Like there is the yeah. gravel specific lube that was yeah, kind of yeah. out there.
1: Yeah, um, there's a lot of people doing their own testing and then there's, um, I guess, some established players like Jason Smith, the name I mentioned before, Adam Kieran in Australia, who have kind of established test protocols that aren't aligning with these other companies doing the testing. Um, so it's, it's it's quite an interesting space. Um, and certainly the likes of Muckoff, um, they've had similar disputes with Ceramic Speed in the past about their testing and where they've gone wrong over that. And unfortunately, the ludicrous AF seems to kind of repeat on some of these lessons. Since all there mistakes. are all
3: these false claims about chain loops, mm. is it still the golden age of chain loop? It is or still or is the golden it? age. Okay. <laughs>
1: We're yeah i think i think for the I most part haven't moved to a different <laughs> yeah no i think we're, for the we've most part medieval. All the, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're not like yeah. the bronze age or something oh. like that no no we haven't gotten to the dark ages yet we're but regressing
2: uh, I, regressing into no the dark ages. we're
1: still we're still progressing and i think for the most part you know chain loops are trending in the right direction but uh yeah i think there's also not, common not themes. quite platinum yet not platinum <laughs> no no still gold okay okay
0: yeah. all right moving uh, on Hey, Not- I
2: just <laughs> want to say, as a person who doesn't care about chain lube, literally at all. Yeah. Except for the fact that, like, does it work and can I clean it off easily and things like that. I have used both, both of these. The Grax, they sent me some, some of that. Yeah. Grax and is I have fine. used Ludicrous AF, and they're both they're fu- perfectly fine chain That's lube. Chain it's room. perfectly fine. I think but- it just I, what annoys us more than anything is just like if you're gonna make claims, use the use the third party folks that we that's well not just we but like sort of the whole industry really trusts i think that's the issue that we have
1: it's easier said than done because there's not a lot of third party folks in this put in this space um, adam kieran's kind of the only one and his testing isn't about efficiency it's about um durability like it's about where where correlation and because of that his testing takes days or weeks and weeks at an on end so he's like backlogged by a year or two so He's not the easiest person to get your, your product tested by because
0: he's got such a big backlog. I, I would be, the thing that kind of bugs me a little bit is this perpetual chase to be the, the absolute lowest friction lube. Yeah, We're, we're chasing like t- smaller and smaller oh, fractions tiny. of watts here. It's tiny. And I would yeah. be perfectly okay if someone was like, here, we are introducing this wax-based lube. It's very good, not necessarily the best. It is not very expensive. And it smells like gummy bears. Yeah. Yeah, I think like
1: Grax kind of achieved that without the gummy bear part. Um, there is a lube on the market that smells like caramel, which is atrocious. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think Grax kind of achieved just that. But they, you know, they too made the blunder of making some bold claims that they couldn't back up. Um, but yeah, the, my issue with the Ludicrous AF lube is perfectly fine. It is a wet lube, so it will attract dirt, which is why it quickly becomes not the fastest lube on the market. Um, but just the price associated with it. It's a tiny bottle of lube and it is huge money. Um, so and I think ludicrous. that is the issue.
0: Mm. Hence the name. Yeah. Ludicrous.
1: Yeah.
3: But why pay for a third party to test your stuff when you just make up claims and people are still <laughs> going to pay for your lube? Yep. Yep.
0: If any else uses goods. it, people will buy it. Exactly. Yeah. And if it smells, or if any else supposedly uses it. But how will you ever be able to prove it otherwise? exactly
2: let's move on to this segment <laughs> <laughs> yes
0: is already gonna be getting an ugly phone call anyway. uh, all right so many phone calls speaking speaking <laughs> of ugly phone calls uh-oh oh no dave this one's another one of yours i hate this the section <laughs> biggest loss of consumer faith award
1: uh we saw some product failures this year didn't we or this
0: past some, year didn't we some rather high profile ones mm, um I wonder what that would be
1: yeah, there's a few. Uh, Tarmac SL7 is probably one that is still on top of mind for a lot of people. Um, the the steerer failure there and their, their implemented fix for that. Um, I think most people had a bigger issue with the fact that it seemed like Specialized took a while to do the recall. Um, I, I still look at it positively that they did do a recall on something, even though they didn't have any real reported failures or sorry, they didn't have any reported injuries. Um, which there are other brands out there, other manufacturers out there who would wait for it to become a bigger issue before they took the actions to do recalls. Um, so I still don't see it as a huge problem, but I, I do know a lot of people did lose faith in that product. Zach? I have a number of customers that have these
3: bikes. Yeah. And it is insane how many people after they announced the recall were not given notice or aware of that there was a recall at all and they come in with their bike to get a service and like, have you got your headset fixed by the Specialized dealer that you bought this from? Oh, I had no idea. I've just been riding around with a fork that could snap at any point. Wow. Like, it's kind of mind-blowing that that's... I don't know. I guess some people just don't go on the internet,
2: but it's not... Communication, not the best. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. not great
0: to hear.
1: Mm. Um, but the, yeah, yeah, Specialized isn't the only one that we lost faith in, in or perhaps consumers lost faith in. Um, there's the STEM failure at the Olympics. Went from uh, which proved to be a bastion 3D printed stem. We are still waiting for the report on that one. Still don't know why or how it happened. Um
0: and then the other one, James, you put this on on the list, Canyon Aero. I did. I did. Um because yeah, that was that was a failure, a handlebar failure with uh Matthew Vanderpool at one of the early season races. Uh what back in like March or April maybe? I can't remember now. Um his handlebar snapped clean off uh, his new Canyon Air Road, and uh, Canyon eventually did say that there was, a, you know, certain combination of factors could result in that handlebar breaking. Because I guess they said it was too, I think they said it was too thin potentially. Um, but the fact that it broke, unfortunately, wasn't as big an issue as what has come after that because. Um, well, Kaylee, you said earlier with the biggest disruptor and is COVID, uh, and Canyon has very, very much fallen victim to this because, uh, last I checked, I think this was in October, uh, they still had not completely figured out how they are going to deal with this because, um, basically all these sorts of things have pretty long lead times and need to produce all these handlebars. They have to uh, supposedly get the bikes back into the factory to, to, to repair them, uh, to like retrofit those new bars. Even, even if it is possible to do that at home, it's still just a massive headache, huge disappointment. It's, it was, it, it was absolutely a brilliant bike to ride. And for all the people who have purchased one, uh, particularly people who maybe have purchased one, because I said it was a really fun bike to ride. Uh, I guess I apologize because you currently have effectively a bricked awesome aero road bike that you can't really do anything with because it's not safe to ride. It's a huge disappointment. So, I mean, Canyon is, as far as recalls go, I mean, I do still think that they have been quite proactive about it. And I do think the issues that they are having is not necessarily their doing as far as like not being able to get the parts replaced quickly enough, that sort of thing. Um, you know, they have, they've, uh, provided owners with cash, I believe. Um, they've been pretty aggressive as far as trying to keep people happy. But ultimately, if you have spent a whole bunch of money on this bike and you haven't been able to ride it for months, then it's going to be really hard to keep those people happy.
3: It's wild. If they only just put normal handlebars on it, this wouldn't be an issue. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: Team normal handlebars. If they only put normal handlebars on it, they probably wouldn't have sold it. <laughs> Like
3: is
2: that, is that true though? There's so many
3: bikes out there that have hidden cables that you can put normal handlebars on. Mm. I love a good normal
2: handlebar,
1: but then it loses its selling proposition. And I mean, it's just like every yeah. yeah.
0: To, that's, to be that's clear, the unfortunate to, truth is, but to yeah. to be clear, the fact that it, th- this handlebar didn't break because of that like three no. piece design feature thing that they have. No, this no, is a clamp related
3: issue. That was also proprietary.
0: That was, that was part of it. Um, Well, and, but, and the the sad fact is they didn't, didn't even need that. That, that, that proprietary clamp was on there because they didn't want to make that profile round. Yeah. On Um, the bottom. And again, so it's just been, it it was, it was a combination of really unfortunate factors, but either way, it has been a huge hit to the Canyon brand, at least for the high-end road market, because again, flagship road, aero road bike, can't ride it. Wah, wah. And it failed in spectacularly visible fashion. It did. It would have been I better. This is, like
2: the, this is like the kicking them when they're down award. That's what that's what, that's yeah. what this is. Uh, very much so. Oh,
0: no. Sorry, I know. You We know you're trying. Um, I'm going to save the worst bike ridden award for the very end. We're going to save that for the end. Ooh. We're going to save that one. Uh, we're going to move on to a slightly, slightly more upbeat award, award category here. The green award to the brand that most firmly embraces environmentally sustainable practices. Now, this is this one's pretty hard to judge given how cloudy a lot of this is um, in terms of public visibility, in terms of what companies are actually doing, that sort of thing. Um, but I actually have two picks, at least in the U.S. anyway, uh, and those would be Chris King and U.S. distributor quality, uh, quality bicycle products, both of which uh, have pretty substantially overhauled their practices and gone through the pretty incredibly extensive validation process to become certified B-Corps, um, which covers everything from, I mean, got it. I think energy usage to the building to like it, it, it's an extremely like soup to nuts qualification that you have to go through to be certified as a B-Corp. And they both have done it. And they're the only two in the U.S. Um, There's about uh, to be one more. Oh, I just got this press release.
2: I'm just I'm scrolling through it now to make sure there's no embargo.
0: Breaking news. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Where did it go? Where did it go? Uh, Kitspo. So the press release is actually about the fact that uh, the employees of Kitspo, which is a clothing manufacturer or clothing company. uh, No, they make they make their clothing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, They, they actually do make their clothing. You're right. So. Kitspa was just purchased by its employees with the assistance of a group in North Carolina on January 3rd. There is no embargo on this, it looks like. Uh, So it's been under private ownership for 10 years and, and the employees of the company just purchased it. And one of their first things that they're going to do is go and start the process of certification as a B Corp. Uh, they're going to be a, a public benefit corporation, or they already are a public benefit corporation, and that's how they that's how they they arrange the purchase via their employees. So those are both very cool things: one that it's going to be an employee owned clothing brand, and two that they are in the immediately already in the process of B Corp certification. So this is about to Get be three. Um, yeah.
1: I will I will say that um, my vote would go to Chris King just because they've been doing this for so long before it became like socially trendy to do or socially before demanded there was a label for it. Yeah, before B Corp existed and and the fact that they're a local manufacturer actually producing parts like QBP is a massive company and that's awesome that they're B Corp but they're not They're they're outsourcing their manufacturing. Right. Um so I think yeah, for me I think Chris King remains the the clear leader in this regard.
0: I mean I I have not been to QBP somehow. Um but I have been to Chris King and Mm. went through a pretty extensive tour of their whole facility. I actually went to Chris King's house too. Um, And it's pretty phenomenal how much they do on that front. Um, They have a wholly in-house designed heating and uh, athlete cooling system as well in the building that Chris designed, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, They, they, they recycle everything. They like squeeze all their aluminum chips to like, you know, extract every bit of cutting fluid so that they, they can filter and recycle that. Uh, they grow a lot of their own food. Like Chris has a pretty extensive garden on his property. Um, I mean, it, it's it's pretty amazing all the stuff that they do. Like if they have a product that comes out of the anodizer and it's not quite the same shade as everything else, they just set it aside. They don't scrap it or anything. They just set it aside until they have a matching other hub so that they can kind of put it together. And like it, they they do a lot of stuff like mm. that. It's extremely extensive. It's very yeah. impressive.
1: And fundamentally, they're creating products that are designed to last forever.
0: Correct. They yeah. don't have a ton of new products that come out all the time. They're yeah. pretty reluctant to to kind of like jump on every bandwagon, and they're they're renowned to have stuff that just lasts a long time, which is yeah. a little bit unusual when you're in the business of selling stuff because yeah. it just means that you don't get to sell as much stuff if your stuff lasts a really long time. Yeah. Um, I would also like to extend an honorable mention to Trek, um, mainly because. We don't really know how well they are doing, uh, I guess, a lot of the sustainability stuff, but uh, they have recently been very, very publicly visible about uh, the fact that they are at least going through the internal process of figuring out what their footprint is and what they have to do. So they, they, they have already admitted, they have a long way to go. They have obviously a huge footprint. They're a massive company. But the fact that they've been so upfront about how bad some of the stuff that they're doing can be, uh, to me, has been pretty eye-opening. They've
3: also kind of attached a number to basically every bike model, right?
0: Not kind every of- bike model, but a, a lot of the ones that are in that report. Yeah. Um, and they haven't gone so far yet as to uh, like put those put those numbers on public display on like the product web pages and stuff like that. Um, but I, I do have to extend them... Uh, and again, an honorable mention for going through the process now of, you know, at at least trying to figure out what they have to do now. They've been very open about it. So it good, good to see them going down that path. Hmm. All right. Next award goes, our next category, stupidly expensive product that I so want to hate, but I just can't. Ooh. 3d printed saddles. Agreed. They're so expensive. They're really good though. They're so good. They're so good. That's the yeah. problem. They're, they're yeah. like offensively expensive. And, and annoyingly comfortable. Just annoyingly comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Like I hate to admit how comfortable they are. Uh, yeah. There have been some intermittent reports of, you know, some people saying things about you know, their saddles hadn't been very durable, but by and large, we've been hearing from most people who have these things that, yeah, they, they hate how much they like these things. Somebody yeah. sent us a picture of one that looked melted. Weird. It, it didn't really so much look melted as or it like looked like all the bridges had collapsed.
2: Yeah, like like something had gone wrong. And but I should saddles. Say
0: I mean, saddles do wear out, though.
2: I've got like thousands of miles saddle. on one, that, and have had zero. Like, it looks new because it's not. There's you know, there's not a leather leather cover. There's no like the normal sort of wear item of a saddle <laughs> doesn't exist on these, yeah. and and it it's it it could be brand new. I'm sure there are
1: solvents that'll break down the material. I'm sure probably. that's probably what happened to that saddle you saw. Is it? Wrong, wrong cleaning agent at some point. Oh,
0: interesting. So you're not supposed to spray clean streak all over your saddle? I mean, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you do you. <laughs> all right. Uh, cu- last couple here, we'll wrap up. Uh, my over-the-top award goes to Josh Ogle at Ogle Component Design for his oversized rear derailleur pulley cage setup, which is absolutely ridiculous. Completely impractical. Um, so good, though. Very a very dubious performance benefit. Yep. But the attention to detail and the obsessiveness that he that that he displayed in the design and manufacturing of this thing is just absolutely insane. It's a thousand dollars, and yet somehow you can almost justify it if you have if you have it the money to cool. spare, of course. Yeah. Because when you get an understanding for how. Insane, he has been about every little aspect about those things, then it's pretty amazing.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that he's like, This is cool, buy it. Not like, Here's this product that's a thousand dollars, and I'm going to attach this bullet point list of yeah, false claims that are marginal gains that no one can feel or have like matter. Yeah, yeah. and that's yeah.
1: and you know, Absolute Black later released a cage which has some similarities in design to it, the the hollow strangely similar. Um, and we believe that it was perhaps inspired by Ogle's design. It certainly seems more than coincidence, but uh, the difference is Absolute Black came out with a long list of of you know benefits that Zach sort of just alluded to with, you know, as far as aerodynamics and uh, being the most efficient oversized pulley cage on the market, being lighter and all these other things. Uh, and a lot of those can be disputed. Um whereas Ogle, yeah, as James said, never made such claims.
0: He's just like, here's this really cool thing. It's so cool. I yeah. still so want one for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Like, I, don't, I don't know what I'd do with it. I don't even know if I'd put it on. i just just like, put it on my desk. Oh, it looks like the best fidget spinner ever. Even, it even so better cool. than that screwdriver I got from Italy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Which also has a ceramic bearing in it. All right. Circling back now, we do need to wrap up our Cycling Tippies Awards. Is this the mean one? Unfortunately. No, hey, got, we've got Game Changer. We've yeah, got one more positive. Don't forget the Game Changer. You want to do the game changer? Yeah, yeah let's do, do the game, game. changer. All right, we'll still do the game changer award. Game changer award. My, my selection for this went to foam gravel tire inserts. Agreed. Which I know might be a little bit controversial, but uh, for a little ring of foam uh, to have that much of an effect on a bike's performance, and this is specifically for gravel bikes, um, amazing. Yes. So, so good. Uh, absolutely transforms the way the bike rides. And I will say, having used them on mountain bikes too, they have a similar effect there. I just, they, they're just not quite as necessary or transformative, I would argue. Better anyway. for XC than I would say. On, like, on a they hardtail, they're just
2: as transformative as on a gravel bike, I think.
0: It'd be, any, like, any mountain bike with like super soft, supple tires. Yeah, I mean, it basically. Light, I have light, them look on. look at them wrong rims.
2: Yeah, I've got them on a hardtail. And I went from cracking a rim in five places and flatting like every other ride, because I was riding it. Like it was not a hardtail, <laughs> to being able to ride it. Like it was not a hardtail and still not flatting and not breaking rims. So yeah, huge, huge impact on, on those types of bikes as well.
1: Yeah. Or not an impact. Um, zing. Zing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm completely for this. For me, it, it actually made gravel bikes uh, a practical decision for me. Like uh, I went from not really thinking I needed a gravel bike or could use a gravel bike to its full extent around my local terrain, which is either tarmac or straight to like really um, actual rocks on fire trails and fire access trails and, and things that wear a mountain bike is best. And just tire inserts changed that for me straight away. I was like, ah, oh, I can actually use a gravel bike around here. So, yeah, it
0: is a game changer. And considering a lot of people will look at these things and they'll be like, oh, like it's just a hundred dollar pool noodle. Um, I mean, in some cases, that's kind of true, but the better ones are certainly much, much more than that. Um, and yes, they are not inexpensive. However, I can't think of anything, at least for a gravel bike, uh, I can't think of anything else for that amount of money that has that much of an effect on how the bike performs.
2: And I think the brands know that because it is the, the prices are highway robbery. Like it's a piece of extruded foam. It is not a difficult thing to make. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say, say <laughs> they were <laughs> high value. Nor, nor is it expensive to make. You know, like those things are are what 85 cents to Beverly last probably less than that and they charge $100 for them like it comes with valve they, stems though. They should be way cheaper than they are. But at the same time, like okay, I'll just pay for it because it's worth it, and that's yeah. annoying but true. I will
1: say, like obviously, these things aren't all equal. Some do look like they probably cost eighty-five cents in a in a factory, um, but like Kush Core, for example, looks like it would cost you know a dollar sixty
0: at least. <laughs> <laughs> and and those are molded. The Kush Core yeah. ones are molded. They're not extruded. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Kushko. Like you can see why
1: it would cost more. There's like more, yes, it's still very, on. very expensive. But you can see that it's not a pool noodle.
2: Yeah, the the um the profit margin
0: on those is still good. Oh yeah, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, it's have very we or do good. we know anyone
3: that's actually tried a pool noodle in their tire?
0: Uh, there was a Vela Club member actually who was talking about doing a little experiment. Not with um not with a pool noodle, but he was going to use foam uh, a foam backing rod that you use in like home, home building stuff. Hmm. Uh, I guess they were able to find a pretty large diameter one that they were going to try and sort of like make their own foam tire insert and see how that went. Um, I don't know if we've heard back from them yet as far as how that actually, I, I don't know if, they did it, if they've done it yet. So I don't know. Um, I don't, well, yeah, I don't know if they've done it yet. And if they have, we haven't heard anything from that member yet. Uh, I might have to follow up and see, see what happened there. But if that actually had even a third of the benefit, Quarter of the benefit or a quarter of the benefit and cost a hundredth of a hundred the price, the price <laughs> then that seems like that's a pretty good return on the investment. There, my hmm. baby's just woken up, hmm. so we should wrap up then. Probably, all right. Our last and least desirable, unfortunately, cycling <sighs> Tippies Tech Award for the worst bike ridden. Kaylee, I feel like you're gonna have to take this one. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> because I didn't actually really ride this bike.
2: Yeah, but it was but an easy decision Unfortunately, when you look yeah, at it. I it did, really was. It, was. it was an easy decision. I, I'm going to preface this by the company in question. Literally every other bike <laughs> I have ever ridden from them has been phenomenal. So please, folks at Bianchi, do not feel too bad about yourselves because you make amazing bicycles. However, the Arcadex Is not amazing.
0: (laughs) It's just, it it just rides, it
2: rides, it drives like really kind of like weird and stiff and wooden and it doesn't look very good. And that combination of things is just. The geometry is
3: terrible too, right?
2: Geometry is no good. The ride is, is again stiff and wooden. And I haven't ridden it like a wooden feeling carbon bike in a a while. It's like like something went, somebody made like 20 years. I've
3: I've not heard a carbon bike described as wooden. And like yeah, the, since the 2005.
2: Last, yeah, the last wooden feeling carbon bike I rode was was the Lightspeed Aero bike. What was that thing called? Oh, those were like terrible torque. 2011 to or something like that. Mm-hmm. That was the last mm-hmm. bike that kind of felt like this. Anyway, it's I don't need to harp on it too long. I love Bianchi. I really do. I'm sad about this bike existing because I like Bianchi so much. Uh but it does exist and and unfortunately, uh it is it's not free it's not a it's not a very good bike
1: i gotta give them Is kudos because they've created a, a product that provides um credibility to us so many <laughs> bikes on the market these days uh leave us having to be you know full of praise because it's hard to fault most bikes in the market so kudos to bianchi for creating a bike that lets us uh, earn back some of that credibility and actually <laughs> talk purely negatively about a bike once in a while <laughs>
0: Uh, d- does does that it have any, does it have any redeeming qualities whatsoever I mean it, does it's, it have it's, a threaded bottom bracket uh, yes I, don't I can't remember, remember I don't it remember. has a hole down
2: near the bottom bracket that we couldn't figure out what it was used for
0: <laughs> I've, I've asked Bianchi multiple multiple times for an answer and they still haven't really told me. We it's been no months.
2: Idea. It's it's like a, it's like a you know like a silver dollar sized <laughs> hole with a rubber thing over it that yeah. we have zero clue I, what it's for. I is.
1: I'd guessed like way before Shimano had announced their 12 speed that it would be for a battery location, mm. but they obviously couldn't confirm back then. But I don't think they've confirmed since either. So it's it's a weird one.
0: Mm. I need to go get my very sad baby out of the crib. Okay. Well, we have to wrap up <laughs> anyway because Zach now has a customer, but. That then will wrap up our 2021 Cycling Tippies Tech Awards. Thank you for listening as always. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you have not done so already. Please make sure you leave a comment or rating as well. And with that, we'll say goodbye until next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, Bye, everybody.